Hello. Good morning, everyone. How you guys doing? Good. Lots of life in the house of the church this morning. Hey, I'm thankful that you are here with us this morning. If you have no idea who I am, uh, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And in fact, last Sunday, December the 3rd, uh, Bethany and I celebrated nine years on staff here at the church. So yeah, thank you. I honestly had no idea I was old enough to have a job that long. So yeah, yeah. I, I thought I would have to do a few more years before I got that. But uh, hey, uh, in fact, actually, I, I graduated high school in 2006. Now, for some of us, they're like, oh, you're pretty young still. That's great. Some other people are like, wow, you're pretty old. And so I'm in that weird stage of life where I just don't know where I fit when my age category. In fact, actually, on Tuesday is my birthday. I'm turning 35. And so just want to throw it out there. My love language is gifts. <laughs> just saying, I don't, I don't expect anything, but it'd be nice, you know, <laughs> just... <laughs> Just kidding, sorry. Um, listen, so I did graduate uh, high school, 2006. I went to John Barsby Secondary School, uh, and it's in South Nanaimo, which is also known as uh, the ghetto. Harewood is where we lived, uh, also known as Scarewood, but also known as Surrey by the Sea. It's just not the, not the best place to, to grow up, and uh, in Nanaimo... Uh, high school went from grade 8 to 12. Elementary school went from kindergarten to grade 7. It's the way it should be. I don't know why we have middle school here. Weirds me out. But it's probably good for the kids. Lots of transition in their early years. Um, it's good. That's a joke. It's terrible. <laughs> we, uh, so I graduated, and I had this guy in my life uh, who helped me along the way. Uh, his name was uh, Ray McDonald. Uh, he was the school counselor at John Barsby. And the reason he helped me was because in grade eight, before the second semester, I got expelled. I got kicked out of school and I got sent to Five Acres Juvenile Delinquent School. That's encouraging, hey? So that was the school that I went to where uh, it was normal to have uh, police on site all the time. It was normal that a guy named Phil brought a loaded handgun to school. That's the area that I grew up in. Now the thing is, I grew up as a very angry individual. Now a lot of you uh, look at me and be like, no, I don't see it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I grew up very angry. I was a very angry, disgruntled individual. There's a whole host of different issues. Uh, but the number one way I like to handle my anger was in violence towards other people. I thought fighting was fun, and I was decent at it. And so uh, I, I just would pick fights with whoever I want uh, all the time. In fact, uh, uh, if my mom was here, she would tell you uh, that in kindergarten, she got a phone call from the principal that I beat up a grade seven. And so watch out, because Dallas is going to be strong. He's in grade one. <laughs> but the thing about Ray McDonald is that he didn't give up on me. 
He was the, the counselor at John Barsby, uh, not at Five Acres. But Ray would continually pick me up from school, drive me home. He'd bring me out for lunch. He would spend time with me. He would counsel me. He would give me good advice. Ray was a legend. And I would not have made it to grade 12 without Ray in my life. Ray would invest in me. He would tell me to do things like respect your mother. He would give me tips on how to handle my anger. He shared personal stories of his upbringing and how he overcame those things. Ray would tell me things like, James, you're worth more than this. In fact, I have a picture of Ray. It's from my graduation. So it's me, Ray, my buddy Ryan, and my buddy Chris. Chris was tall. But I'm the one in the red shirt. Not that red shirt, okay? (laughs) I am on that side. And so Ray uh, very much helped me along my way in life. Ray changed the outlook that I had on people. Ray changed the outlook I had on uh, the world around me. Ray was a good counselor because he instilled some things. Ray made me feel seen. Ray made me feel heard. Ray made me feel known. Ray made me feel valuable. He made me feel prized. And actually, in uh, 2002, 2003, I got this award. This says Five Acres Secondary School, but we know the truth. And then it says Most Improved Student, James Berkey. But this, honestly, I've kept it for 20 years. Obviously, it means something to me. And there's a whole bunch of things that happened in my life in that year. First off, I got adopted. I went by Jamie Miko up until that point and then became James Berkey. Uh, At that point also, uh, somewhere in there, I accepted Jesus into my life. So I had a good counselor who was pouring into me. I had a dad who adopted me and I had Jesus who showed me life. And so I carry this often, keep it, because it means the world to me. So you need to understand, when I start to talk to you about the scripture that we just read, about the wonderful counselor, it means the world to me. Because I believe Jesus is the one who changed my life. I believe Jesus was that wonderful counselor that put me on a different trajectory. And so during this Advent season, we celebrate a lot of things. We celebrate different names that Jesus had. Wonderful Counselor, Good Shepherd, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, the Word, Lamb of God. We celebrate some of those names. We celebrate the fact that God would send His Son for us. But we celebrate the fact that God loved us. And so today I want to talk to you about the wonderful counselor. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done in my life. I thank you that you can do the same and so much more for others. Lord, I pray that as we discuss the wonderful counselor, we would place in your hands our lives and ask that you would do what you will with us. God, we love you. In your name, amen.
So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, Isaiah is writing this both as a warning and as hope. And so we enter into chapter 9 where the hope starts to come into place. But in the few chapters before, there's some warnings that you need to pay attention to. But in this chapter, Isaiah is talking about Israel's future. He's giving them hope to look forward to. Like in verse 2 to 3 of chapter 9, he says, There is going to be light brought back to your dark and barren land. Or in verse 4 to 5, he starts talking about how uh, God is going to bring rest. He's going to bring security. He's going to bring abundance. And he's going to break the oppression of the enemies that is on their lives currently. Now, what you also have to realize is that Isaiah was writing this prophecy about the coming of Jesus 800 years before Jesus came, roughly. It's a long time. So we call this portion of Scripture a messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecies point to the coming of Christ, the furthering of God's kingdom, and they uh, point to salvation. And so these messianic prophecies are important to pay attention to because Jesus lived 33 years on this earth, and in those 33 years, he fulfilled, made true, 351 messianic prophecies. So if you need a reason to believe that Jesus is real and that God exists, let that be a starting point. Because I don't think that can be a coincidence. That's a lot per year that he'd have to be doing. But how will God bring this security? How will God bring this rest and this abundance? And that's where we open verse 6, for unto us, Child is born, to us a son is given. That is how. I like the, the graphic that we're using. It's this picture of these hands. And I, I picture God just saying, here you go. This is what I present to you. This is what's going to free you. This is what's going to pour into your life. It's a child? A baby? Really? That? Yeah. And the government will be on his shoulders, it says. Now, they found themselves under Roman oppression at this time. The Romans uh, uh, invaded areas. They brought in false gods. They controlled money. They controlled people. They controlled trade. They controlled a lot of things. And so they felt like they were under the oppression of the Romans. And so they were excited when they would hear that the government would be on his shoulders. They're like, yeah, get rid of Rome because Christ is coming. Then it says, and then he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We read Isaiah saying, there is hope. What you're in right now is not great. 
It doesn't look preferred, but there is hope coming. Now, I need you to hear me on this. There is hope for you. There's hope for your situations. There's hope for the situation that you might find yourself, whether it's oppression or unrest. There's hope. There's hope through Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor that God has sent and said, here you are. There is hope. Now, because the wonderful counselor has come, my question is, why? Why? Why would he come? Why, why would God send his son? Why would God himself come to earth to be with us? It's because he saw us. He saw our need. He saw our brokenness. And he wanted to make it known that he still sees you. Now, Pastor Sean spoke a great message on the whole idea of being seen last week, and so I'd encourage you to go online, YouTube, and uh, search that and pay attention. But you need to understand that God sees you. In fact, in Hebrew, the word is El Roy, the God who sees me. And this comes into play into, in, in Genesis chapter 16. Hagar is under oppression. She's being mistreated by Sarah. And she's like, this is terrible. This shouldn't be the way that it is. I am better off if I run away. And so she does. She leaves. She's like, I'm, I'm gone. I don't want to be a part of this situation anymore. I'm going to go over here and do my thing. And so she runs away. She wants to find wholeness. She wants to find rest. She wants to find these things because she's not feeling so great over here under Sarah. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up. An angel starts talking to her and saying some things to her. And the angel starts to encourage her, counsel her, maybe, if you will. And the angel tells her in Genesis chapter 16, verse 11, the Lord has heard of your misery. The Lord has seen you run away. The Lord has heard you in your misery. He knows what you're going through. And don't you worry, he prizes you. He loves you. And then Hagar's response to this in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13 says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I've now seen the one who sees me. You are Elroy, the God who sees me. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life I think, God, do you even see me? Do you even know me? Do you hear me? But then we see the situation play out time and time again. In Jesus' life, this son, this baby that is born, grows up a little bit, and then all of a sudden it starts walking the earth and he points to people and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I see you up in that tree. I see you. I know you. I know your name. He says, I'm going to come to your house for lunch today. I might try that with one of you later. <laughs> or I think about, about uh, the woman at the well who comes to the well in the middle of the afternoon when, in the heat of the day when you really shouldn't be going and fetching water because it's heavy and you're going to get sweaty and gross. And she's like, no, that's the best time for me to go because I can hide from the people. 
And Jesus is there, and he says, no, I see you. I want to have a conversation with you. Let's talk. Or the, the leper who's kicked out. You're not part of this society anymore. You're gross, you're unclean, you're, you're sick. Jesus sees that leper and performs a miracle. I can confidently tell you by looking at a bunch of different stories where Jesus pays attention to people, I do believe Jesus is wonderful. Now, in English, to describe the word wonderful, we would use uh, such words as delightful. Or we have a pleasure in that. Or admiration, extremely good, marvelous. I would say, yeah, Jesus is those things, but he's so much more because the Hebrew word used for this is Pele. Now, not to be confused with the famous Brazilian soccer player. Pele. This means the miracle or incomprehensible, unfathomable. That is my God. That is my Jesus. Jesus being wonderful is more than just being likable. Jesus being wonderful should be incomprehensible. His counsel, his majesty, his everlasting, his peace incomprehensible. And our incomprehensibility needs to move us to be in awe of who he is and the fact that he would just walk this earth with us. Now, not only do you need to be known and seen, but you need to be heard. You need to know that God sees you but he also hears you. Now, I've been to a few counselors uh, in my life because uh, I have some things I need to sort out. It's a joke, guys. It's okay. You can... <laughs> but I've been to, you know, my high school counselor was there with me. I've been to a psychologist, marriage counselor, financial counselor, personal counselor. I've been to a few people and talked to a few people in my day. And I've talked to some good counselors and some not-so-great counselors where I went once and thought, mm, I'm not coming back to you. And the reason a good counselor is a good counselor often is because they make you feel heard. They don't just brush it by and try to give you a solution. They make you feel heard. And when I say heard, I also mean understood. The best news about our God is that he hears you. He understands you. He's able to put his lens into your eyes and see the world how you see it. The most famous scripture, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible comes from Jeremiah 29, 11. For the, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to give you hope, give you future, to prosper you. And this is spoken to people amid their hardship, amid their pain, in the middle of their suffering. This is spoken to them. And Jeremiah is writing to the people of Jerusalem who have been taken captive. They're not free to worship God. They're not really free to pray. They're generally just not free. They're not free at this point. And these people, they're praying, God, we want rescue from this. We need away from this stuff. 
And they're hoping that that will come immediately. But it, but it doesn't. And then that's when we read, I have plans to give you hope, give you a future. I wonder, you know, in, in my life, how many times have I said, God, immediately I need this. And he says, no, 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 not yet. You're going to suffer there for a bit more. But I have a plan for that. But then we get to verse 12. And Jeremiah 29, verse 12 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. So in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your hardships, in the midst of your pain and your suffering, we are encouraged, one, to call on God. We're encouraged to pray to him. It's interesting because it's telling us there is an action step here. You need to do this. You need to call on my name. You need to pray to me. And when you do, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to hear you. If you want to be heard, you must speak. If you want counsel, you must seek. Then it says, I will listen. You need to understand that God is attentive and responsive to the call of his people. God hears you. In your highs, in your lows, and everywhere in between, God hears you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us us. It's comforting to me to know that God listens. In times of pain and joy that God is listening. I may not always get the answer I'm looking for, but he's listening, paying attention. Our concerns, our hopes, our dreams, they all matter to God. He's not distant. God is not indifferent, but he's actively engaged in the lives of those who seek him. And it's because of this wonderful counselor, why he hears us, why he listens to us, it's because he wants to know us. Jesus' great counsel far surpasses just seeing and just hearing. He wants to know us. Again, like I talked about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, not only did he see him up in that tree, not only did he say, hey, Zacchaeus, call him by name, but he's like, I want to come to your house for lunch. And this lunch, this meal, this dinner absolutely transformed Zacchaeus' life. This absolutely changed the trajectory of his life. The recognition, that personal recognition, Zacchaeus, and then that meal. Jesus wanted to know Zacchaeus. Jesus wants to know you. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. few things will break down all that. Here I am. Standing at the door and knock. 
The knocking symbolizes that Jesus is always pursuing a relationship with you. Jesus always wants your attention. He always wants to talk to you. He wants that personal relationship. I can confidently tell you that Jesus is knocking at your door today. Then it says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, this indicates that the invitation to relationship with Jesus requires a response from us. It's an action step. You need to open the door. And then it says, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, sharing a meal back in the ancient world was a significant act of fellowship. It was a significant act of communion. And so just having a meal wasn't just like going down uh, to Burger King and grabbing a burger. It was this significant portion of getting to know one another. And so Jesus saying, uh, you answer the door and, I'm go- and you open it. I'm going to come in. We're going to have a meal. It's more than just like, cool, let's have some crackers. He's like, I want to get to know you. I want to know who you are. In Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you've created my inmost being. You've knit me together in my mother's womb. This speaks about the intimate knowledge that God has about you when he has created you. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. This speaks to his intimate knowledge of who you are. But also, it speaks to the the fact that he is involved. He's involved in your creation. But he wants to continue to be involved in your life. He wants to be involved when it comes to you. He wants to know you. So this verse underscores the omniscience of God. God who knows us and was there before we were there. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 4 says, You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You, Lord, know it completely. God knows you. That's absolutely humbling, but also absolutely encouraging. That my God, the God that I serve, the God who has created it all, knows little old me and wants relationship. He hears me when I cry, and he knows me. And you know, because of that, because I, because I read these scriptures that talk about how much God cares about me, it makes me feel valued. It makes me feel prized. That God prizes me. He puts me out and says, ah, look at this. It's James. He's happy and joyful in my life. The fact that God would send his son here on earth, to walk with people shows me his immense love for us. That he would send someone, he would come here himself, God. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God is with you. 
the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but you will rejoice over you with singing. God is rejoicing over you. He's not rebuking you. He's not saying, hey, meh. He's saying, no, I love you. I'm excited about you. I'm rejoicing. I'm singing over you. God takes and prizes you, finding joy in your existence. This reflects God's nurturing, caring nature. He cares about you. Now, here's my, here's my tough talk for you. If God cares about you, if God sees you, He hears you. He wants to know you. He values you. Maybe it's time for you to value yourself. Some of us have a lot of insecurities, and I get that. I've been there. I'm not good enough. There's no way God can love me. I suck at these things. God should have done better. No, no, no. God is rejoicing over you. Maybe you should find some value in who you are in his eyes. Because I believe God loves and cares about you. It's our job maybe to love and care about ourselves as well. Far too often we're stuck with where we're at. We're stuck with we are here because we can't see that preferred future. That God has a preferred future for us. Not our preferred future, his preferred future. And so we get stuck in where we're at, closed-minded on where we're at, and we start to maybe get a little bit downtrodden on where we're at, saying, ah, this is who I am. This is who God's created me to be. But he's saying, no, 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 no. I have so much more for you. Just look past. There's so much. I want you to look for God's preferred future in your life. Not yours, but God's. Because I need you to understand, you are prized. There is more for you. But you need to seek the counsel, the wonderful counsel of the Lord Jesus so that you can move towards that preferred future. Actually, I I, I would say that I should not be a pastor today. There's some things that I've done, some things that I've said, some places I've been that just like, they should cancel me, you know? I, I, probably, I probably, I don't know why I'm even a Christian, except for I do know I love Jesus and there's a whole bunch of things that revealed God to me. But really, in the world's eyes of who I am, where I've grown up, I, I probably shouldn't be a pastor, let alone a Christian. But it's his preferred future that I have seen. You know, my anger growing up, my addiction to substances and alcohol, 
the way I viewed the world, the pessimistic mindset, those should have canceled me. And the reality is, you know, God has taken those away from me. Jesus has taken those away from me. The wonderful counselor has taken those. There are times that, yeah, they try to creep back in, but the wonderful counselor continues to work because I continue to submit my life to him. Actually, I remember, you know, back in the day I was sitting uh, in this section of the church that I uh, went to in Nanaimo, and they started playing this song. And I, and I remember sitting there thinking, God, you cannot love me. You cannot love someone who has done these things. You cannot love someone that doesn't even have a dad. How can you be my dad? And this song is playing. It goes, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. And I remember thinking, Lord, if there is really freedom in your spirit, if there's really freedom in the wonderful counselor, I'll try it. Like, what am I going to lose? And so I remember giving my heart to Jesus at, you know, 2002, 2003. <laughs> And I need you to understand that there is freedom for you. And I can tell you that confidently because I've been there. This is relatable to me. These aren't just words in a book from a stage. This is my life. There is freedom in the Lord. There is freedom from sin. There is freedom from past experiences, past mistakes. There's freedom from fear. There's freedom from anger. There's freedom from condemnation. There's freedom from pain. There's freedom from suffering. There's freedom from that anxiety. There's freedom. But you need to submit your life to the wonderful counselor. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You know, we, we, we typically end our sermons talking about, you know, if you have never experienced that freedom or we're talking to the person that's never experienced Jesus. Yeah, and, and we will. But you also need to understand that there's still freedom for you because as I've been a Christian, I know there's times that I've stepped away or I've stopped believing or I've you struggled with certain things because life circumstances have come up and I've lost vision. And I want you to know that I know that has happened to you and I need you to know that there's still freedom. You just gotta step back into that wonderful counselor. You gotta step back into that relationship. You gotta step back into Jesus. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, my, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not, your, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Jesus calls us to be in relationship with him and relationship with one another because there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, as I said, if you don't know Jesus and you want that freedom, one of the pastors would love to talk to you about him and how that can transform your life. All you have to do, 
to talk to us. Or if you want, you can text us, LIFE250-478-7113. One of us will get back to you if you prefer to text. The thing is, I would love to say that the day I accepted Jesus, that my life was just radically changed. It was a slow process for me. I believe he can radically change people's lives. And I've seen that. It's incredible. For me, it's been a bit of a process. It's continuing to put Jesus first. It's continuing to submit to his counsel and continuing to understand that God is good. He's incomprehensible. And he is someone that is worth following. So let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you would work in miraculous ways. I pray for each and every individual here that they would find freedom again, a new freedom, a new thing rising up inside of them from you, Lord. And as we've learned about the wonderful counselor, Lord, I pray that we would allow you to be exactly that, our counselor. We love you, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Well, church, have a great week. We'll see you next week.